There we go. Is everyone having a good morning so far? Awesome. We want to welcome you to Arden First Baptist. If you're visiting today, you're a special guest, and we want you to feel right at home. Today's a very special day for me, because this time last year was my first sermon before you guys, so it's a year. Yeah. Thank you. And you guys haven't gotten rid of me yet, so I'm still around. So, blessing to be here. A few announcements before we get started. Uh, That phrase, all in, is our theme for 2017. And every year we like to pray and ask God to give us a ministry theme. And um, I just really feel like it's all in. Whatever we have, Lord, it's like the little boy with five loaves and two fishes. We're going to give everything we have, even if it's small, so that you can take and multiply and bless it. Amen. This Saturday we're having a church work day. Uh, Brother George Manning's leading it up. It starts at 9. So uh, if anybody wants to help us, we're trying to get everything ready for Easter, which is in just a few weeks. So uh, we'd love to have everyone come, and we'll put you to work what you're physically able to do. Uh, For those tough jobs, we've reserved for Adam and Aaron, but the rest of the jobs aren't too bad. So you're just now finding that out, Adam, so just so you know. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians, if you'll go ahead and turn there. And we're going to be in Ephesians um, chapter number 4, starting in verse 7. And while we're turning there, just a little review. We we started a new section in Ephesians. The first three chapters talks about who you are in Christ. And the last three chapters, 4 through 6, talks about how to apply this. Now, we know who you are. You're loved by God. You're chosen. You're adopted. He's got a great plan for you. And because this is true... Chapters 4 through 6 tell us how to live that out. And uh, it's funny, last week, uh, a lot of you, several of you walked away and like, Pastor, you're getting, you're getting very personal. I'm like, well, it's just the Bible. Whatever it says, we just got to talk about. So for those of you who missed last week, we talked about pride and we all left saying, ouch. If you missed it, it's on the podcast. You can, some of you are like, I don't want to listen to that sermon, but it's, it's good for you. Um, so today we're going to be talking about how we are all bodybuilders. And to illustrate this, I'm going to ask Adam and Aaron to come up and pick on them today. And Adam and Aaron, something you guys, most of you don't know, is they're starting to work out together as partners at the gym, at the Y. And uh, so we're going to do a little exercise. They don't, they don't necessarily know what exactly I'm going to ask. I gave them a little hint. But uh, we're going to try the dumbbell curls. Can you give me ten reps? All we could find is 10-pound curls, so he could probably do 500. I can tell. Yeah, let's give him a hand. Good job. All right. All right, Adam, you're going to try something different. This is called the trice. A lot of ladies do this exercise. You lean forward and you push back. Anybody ever done this exercise? Tricep extension? All right, just lean forward and little kickbacks. There you go. Just give me a few. Yeah, breathe. One more, one more. All right, all right. Good job. And uh, Adam, Aaron, before I ask you to sit, has anybody ever seen a burpee done before? Anybody know what a burpee is? Okay, Aaron, give us two burpees. All right, all right. So, today we're going to talk about how you are a spiritual bodybuilder. 
You may not have realized it, but there's a lot of parallels. The way that God has designed the physical, there's a lot of parallels into the spiritual. Give you an example. For the people that are really into fitness, have you noticed they tend to be careful about what they eat? Not not everybody, but as a whole. Um, for my CrossFit friends, uh, I did it just for a few months. It was amazing. They changed their diet. They ate something called the paleo diet, which is kind of like a caveman diet. You eat meat and vegetables, and you eat what the cavemen supposedly ate. And I'm like, I don't know if there was a caveman. But anyways, eat meat and vegetables. And um, and basically, the whole diet lines up the exercise. And I, I began to think about it, how spiritually, if you are spiritually serving God, you're exercising your spiritual gifts and abilities, you're spiritually working out, so to speak, have you noticed it translates into what you put in your spiritual body? You tend to stay away from junk because this will mess up you know, what God's doing. Um, you know, God is still going to use you regardless. It's more the message than the messenger. But have you noticed that when you're serving, you're like, okay, I'm getting ready to teach this uh, kid's class. I've got to be careful what I watch on TV now because these kids are watching me. Or my, my ladies' class, I've got to be careful. And there's such a parallel that when you focus on something, you really get engaged and you want that impact the entirety of your life. So Paul, in Ephesians 4, we're going to read this passage in just a second, but he's going to tell us how each one of us are spiritually gifted. And the goal of our gift is not to make ourselves look good, but it's to build up the body of Christ. And all of us are a different part or function or organ of that body. And whenever you do what you're called to do, the body is strong and has strength and vitality when you don't do your part, and many parts don't do their part, it's the equivalent of not exercising, not eating healthy, how it affects your physical body. The same transfers to the spiritual body. The body of Christ becomes lethargic, lazy, and doesn't get a whole lot done. So let's jump into Ephesians 4. We're just going to be read verses 7 through 12, and uh, then there will be a part 2 of this when we continue. Um, Verse 7, it says, But to each of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. I really like that, according to. I mean, think about Christ's gift, how lavish and how big that is. We've been given gifts out of that. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Verse number 9, and this is in parentheses. Now, this, he ascended... What does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And we're going to talk about what that means. There's a lot of different interpretations to those two verses. Verse 11, and he himself, and in the Greek it's emphatic, it's Jesus himself. He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And notice the purpose, so that the pastors and teachers can do all the work. Is that in there? I didn't read that right. So the church can watch the pastors and teachers do the work? No, it says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your word and God, if a church just lives according to your word, we see a body of Christ that's spiritually fit, that's ready for any good work. We see a church that's a spotless, radiant bride, not because we're perfect, 
but because we've been forgiven and we're walking in love. So, Father, as we break apart these few verses, I just pray that we would see ourselves not just as a body, but as body builders that we're to to be equipped and to equip others to do the work of the ministry. So, Father, we ask and pray that your blessing would be upon this time. And as we sang before, help our eyes and our focus be on Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So you may have never thought of yourself as a bodybuilder before. This may be a new thing. But in Christ, you and I are all spiritual bodybuilders. And I want to give you five quick points about how you and I are a bodybuilder. The first one is this. As a bodybuilder, I am gracefully gifted. I'm spiritually gifted by Jesus to do great things for Jesus. How many of you guys have been watching March Madness on TV? Anybody? College fans? Okay, a few of you. How many of your team is still in it? Of all the teams. All right, a few Carolina fans. For the Duke fans, I'm sorry. Uh, there's next year, right? So the thing about March Madness, I, I was making a few notes about it. Uh, everyone on the basketball court is truly gifted, right? To play at a collegiate level, you have to be gifted. Um, not everyone is gifted to the same level. You can see that there's all different types of giftings on the team. Um, everyone has a different role to play, different position. Um, each player has a unique role, and it makes impact on the, the whole. And usually at least one person emerges as the team what? Team captain, right? They're usually the heart and the soul of the team. Do you ever notice that usually the most talented teams don't always make it? Some of you Duke fans, you can see that. Where's Duke? Well, they're really talented. But the teams that are united as a single unit, the teams that play collectively what's best for the whole team and not just one-on-one superstar mentality, those are the ones that usually make it. The ones that follow the coach's game plan, the ones that work together as a, as a unit ready to do something great. A good example for you NBA fans is the San Antonio Spurs. Every year, they always seem to be in the playoffs, even they may not be the most talented because they work together as a unit. And that really illustrates the body of Christ, that we're all gifted differently. We each have a different role. But when we come together, um, God does amazing things. Just to use his analogy, I like to use in the sports analogy. If, if Paul was writing during March Madness, um, he may use this as an analogy. But if you think about it, God the Father is the team owner. He owns the world, right? The earth is the world and everything in it. Jesus Christ is our team captain, and uh, he has a perfect average, never missed a shot, and he leads the way. The Holy Spirit is our coach. The Bible uses the Greek word called parakletos, and it, it has the idea of someone who goes alongside of you, someone who coaches you. So God the Father, as an analogy, is the owner. Jesus Christ is our captain. He's leading the way, and the Holy Spirit is our coach. He's the one who goes alongside of us and coaches us. The difference between a sports game and a real game is we're not playing for victory. We're playing from victory. Because whenever Jesus Christ died on the cross, he was buried three days and he rose again. He defeated sin, Satan, hell, and the grave. So we're no longer fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. So let me use an analogy the ladies will understand and appreciate. How many of you ladies enjoy watching Hallmark movies? Or movie classics, right? You know what's going to happen. The guy and the girl are going to get married. It's like every time Lori turns on, I know what's going to happen. This handsome guy, this attractive guy, they're going to get married. I've never seen a Hallmark movie where they didn't. 
But they get married. Sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, they get married. They have 2.5 kids, uh, maybe three. They live in the white picket fence, and they have this great life, right? So if you know that's going to happen before you watch the movie, you can just sit back, eat your popcorn, and enjoy the movie, right? For the guys who just checked out, check you back in. Uh, have you ever watched your favorite sports team on DVR when you already knew the, the score and you watched it knowing that they won the game? You're not as stressed, you're not as uptight, because you know in the end you win. Well, if you read the rest of the book of the Revelation, in the end we win. So we don't have to walk around uptight, stressed out, amen. We don't, yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. Look back at verse 7, to each one of us grace was given. You know, the whole um, certain denominational, the clarity and the, lurge, the, the, you know, clarity and the laity, I don't use those terms, but, you know, the clergy and the laity, that's what I was trying to, trying to get at. Um, we don't really see that in the Bible, right? Because, you know, there are gifted leaders, but look, it says to each one of us grace was given. Did you know all of you have a, a spiritual gift? If you're a Christian, you do. And this grace was given to each of us. So the whole idea that only a certain few can use their gift is not biblical. The truth is, as a church, we all have a gift to, to, to bring. And it's according to Christ's gift, the measure of Christ's gift. So who's the one who's responsible for giving out gifts? Jesus Christ, right. So if you've ever been to a church where they feel pressure to obtain a certain gift, you're just not praying hard enough, you just need to... You know, fast, you just need to seek God more. Listen, it's, it's a grace gift. It's not something you have to work for. So if you have to do something to have a gift, is it really a gift? So that's, that sets everyone at ease. You don't have to work for a spiritual gift. It's freely given by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Amen. So those of us who are grace-filled should also be graceful. If God has filled you with grace, then let us try to be graceful. Since Jesus has shown you the love, don't you think you should show the love to others? All right, let's continue on. As a bodybuilder, I'm not only gracefully gifted, but number two, I am richly victorious. Richly victorious. Jesus defeated Satan and lavished us with great gifts. Look at verse 8. It says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. Now, in air day and time, we don't really have a concept of what Paul is talking about here. But when he says he led captivity captive, it's the idea of a general, a Roman general or a conqueror coming in. And once you've defeated your enemy, a lot of times whenever the troops would come home, they would lead a victory parade. It would be almost like the equivalent of our Fourth of July parade where it's celebration, and fanfare, and air day and time fireworks. And what the general would often do, he would lead the way on his horse. And behind him would be those who are captured in war. And also there would be great spoils from the war. And at the end of the procession, oftentimes the general and his troops would dispense the spoils or the booty of war to the the, the home folks, the people. So they would get to have the gifts from the defeated foes. So the picture that Paul paints here is this, that... Whenever Jesus Christ came to earth, he lived the perfect life. 33 years or so he lived, never sinned, never did anything wrong. But then he died on the cross. 
And it appeared on Friday when there was darkness upon the face of the world, it appeared that the devil had won. You know, the disciples seemed defeated. They were all scattered. Everyone was depressed. Saturday came and it seemed like the enemy had won. But on Sunday morning when the sun rose and they rolled back the tomb and they found that Jesus was not in there, the angel said, do not fear because I know you seek Jesus. He is not here for he is risen just as he said. So from that moment on, all of heaven declared that Satan is now a defeated foe. And from now on, those captives are Satan and his hosts. They're defeated. So they may seem big, they may seem powerful, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the picture is Jesus conquered Satan. And in a, in a spiritual sense, these gifts that he give, that he gives out to us, are parallel to what the, the, the general would give out to all the victorious nation. And these gifts now that Satan is a defeated foe, they are meant to build up the body. And as we exercise our gifts, we exercise the victory over the defeated foe. You ever notice that when you're serving the Lord and your gift, you, you feel the sense of victory inside? Well, look back at the, the analogy Paul gives. You are exercising your right over the defeated foe Every time you practice your spiritual gift. So don't let Satan get you down. Keep on moving forward. Because we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Now there must be a distinction drawn between natural gifts and abilities and spiritual gifts. At your first birth. Whenever you lived your first day on on this planet earth. The Lord endowed you even before then in your mother's womb. He endowed you with many talents and abilities and gifts. Those are your natural gifts. Whenever you experience your second birth, we call born again or being saved, God gives you a second gift package. And these are spiritual gifts and abilities. And the Bible says every believer has at least one. Many of us have multiple ones. So have you ever heard anybody say, you know, I don't really need church. I can watch Charles Stanley on TV or Rick Warren or whoever your, your speaker may be. I don't really need the church. Um, we, we have friends and family that just say, you know, I, I have church at my house. And, but here's, here's what they're missing from this passage is that it's, it's really prideful to think that you have all the gifts because you don't. A- every one of us has at least one, but when we all come collectively as a body, we form a body together with different gifts and abilities. The reason why the Bible tells us to come together in assembly together is because your gift may help me. You may be the eyes that I need. You may be the hands that I need. You may be the feet that I need. You may be the heartbeat. You may be the spiritual discerning eyes that see things that I can't see. So to do it on your own, you're missing out in all the spiritual gifts. You're missing out in this collective victory procession that we are together. And every time we assemble, you notice which day of the week do we assemble on? Sunday. And Sunday is the day that Jesus rose. So every Sunday we assemble together, we're proclaiming our victory over the enemy. Do you guys ever realize that? This is our victory procession every Sunday. Jesus is alive and Satan is defeated. Amen. So your gift, your, your gift in, in bodybuilding, for the guys who checked out, you're, you're back now. Um, it's not to build yourself up. It's to build the body of Christ up. And as you exercise your gift, and as you 
spiritually use your gifts and abilities, guess what? The body of Christ is, is building up. Whenever you don't use your gift, just like when you don't exercise your physical body, you don't eat healthy, what happens to your physical body? It begins to go downhill, right? The, you think it's any different spiritually? And we wonder why 80 to 90% of churches are plateaued or declining in America. Because we're not using our gifts. So, continue on. Number three, as a bodybuilder. And I hope you guys are encouraged that you're not just gracefully gifted. You're not just victorious, richly victorious, but you're kingdom expanders. In verses 9 and 10, just a little caveat to the side. You can go home and research it. There's a lot of opinions. If you have a study Bible, it'll say something. If you read another study Bible, it'll say something different. But verses 9 and 10, if you notice, it's in parentheses. So this is not Paul's main point. It's just an aside. But um, let's, let's read it. I'll read it to you, and then we'll talk about what some people think it means. It says, now this he ascended. What does it mean But he first also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. Now, where the controversy is or where the different of opinions is, is the lower parts of the earth. What does that refer to? Well, a few different interpretations I'll give you is the Apostle, Apostles' Creed. Remember quoting that? It talks about he descended into hell, right? That, that, they get that from that phrase, the lower parts of the earth. So that's one possible interpretation. Um, another possible interpretation, the lower parts of the earth refers to like being buried, like Jesus descended from the highest of highs to being buried in the earth. Um, some scholars even talk about the descent of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit descended on the day of Pentecost. So there's so many different t- interpretations. The one I think fits the text the best is this simply is referring to Jesus coming from heaven down to earth. And he came from way up there all the way down here. And the other interpretations, I mean, there's debates on both sides, but basically it's saying that Jesus humbled himself. That's the main takeaway point. A lot of times in churches you can debate nuances all day, but the main point is he humbled himself. And why did he humble himself? Jesus was willing to go from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows so that he could take us from the gutters of this world to the glories of his world. And that's, that's the beautiful thing of this text. He, he descended so that we could be ascended with him in Christ. The Bible says that we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You look at Psalm 40, it's a good parallel how David said, I, I was in a pit, I was in the miry clay, and what happened? God lifted me up. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. He goes down to get us and helps us. Amen. You know, true humility is really hard to find, as we talked about last week. I was reading a story about Booker T. Washington. He was a famous educator, and he was the president of Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. And at Tuskegee... um, Everyone knew him, and he was very beloved, but he wasn't really well-known in some other places outside. So he was walking around in a famous place where it's like high-end shops in the city. And this lady, this very wealthy white lady, spotted uh, Mr. Washington and said, "Uh, Sir, uh, would you like to earn a few dollars today? And he smiled and said, Sure, I'd be glad to. She didn't realize this was the college president. Um, she had assumed that he was looking for some labor for the day. So he went home and he cut her firewood. He put it by the fireplace. 
And a little girl that was at that wealthy estate recognized that this is Booker T. Washington. And after he left, she told the wealthy lady, she, she said, you realize that this is the college president, that you just had cut your firewood and stack it. So the lady could not believe it. You could imagine she was so humiliated. So the very next morning, she went to go see Mr. Washington at his office at the college. And she profusely apologized and said, I can't believe I didn't realize it was you. I thought you were a day laborer, and I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And Booker T. Washington looked at her and said, It's okay. I enjoy manual labor sometime. And besides, I'd love to do this for a friend. And he shook her hand, and she said, I'll never forget your humble spirit. She walked away. And several, several weeks later, she persuaded some of her wealthy acquaintances to join her in donating thousands of dollars to the, his institute. You know, humility just opens up doors. This was the college president that, you want me to cut wood? Okay. He didn't need to come as, do you know know who I am? (laughs) He didn't have to do that. So Jesus sets the example. Another example some of you may be more familiar with is Hudson Taylor. For those of you who grew up in uh, WMU and Mission Society, you realize that Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China. And he was to speak at this well-known large Presbyterian church in Melbourne, Australia. And the, the moderator that day, one of, I guess the associate pastor, whoever was giving the announcement, introduced Mr. Taylor and gave this eloquent speech and said something like, this is an illustrative guest and he is so amazing and was talking him up. You know how some churches do. And um, Mr. Taylor walked up and he opened his message by saying, I quote, dear friends, I am the little servant of an illustrative master. He didn't need anyone to say how great he was. You think about Jesus. He was the son of God, right? And he came as a lowly servant. And I think as leaders, we can, we can take an example and say, God, help us. So if you want to go up, first of all, you have to be willing to give up. Let's continue on. As a bodybuilder, I'm gracefully gifted. I'm richly victorious. I'm a kingdom expander. And by the way, verse 10, before we go into the next point, it says that he might fill all things The point of Jesus descending and ascending is so that we could fill all things. So that Christ could fill us and we could get his kingdom out. Notice it said that he would fill all things. So the the idea is the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God in our hearts. So he wants to fill our lives. But until we're willing to empty of ourselves, God chooses not to fill us. You ever hear people say about being filled with the Spirit? What that means is you empty you of yourself. So if he's going to fill all things, he wants to start with your heart first. Amen. And as you allow him to do that, you allow his fullness to get out into your world. And that's what we mean by kingdom expanders. Number four, as a bodybuilder, I'm readily equipped. And here, here's where we really get practical. Jesus gives, Jesus himself gives gifted leaders to the church. Look at verse 11. It says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Um, if you grew up in um, a non-denominational church, you may have heard the term fivefold ministry. Anybody ever heard of that? The fivefold. And basically, um, the idea of the fivefold is God gives gifted leaders to establish a church. And in this passage, it talks about apostles. Now, we don't have any of the 12 apostles with us today. Um, the people who wrote the Bible with Jesus. So, in the literal sense, they no longer exist, but the apostle, the idea of apostle is someone who is sent with an authoritative message. So we don't have any literal 12 apostle with us, 
But don't we have missionaries that we send out with, with the gospel? Don't we have church planners? So that, that would kind of function like that in today in a loose sense. Um, prophets. Uh, those are the Old Testament prophets who proclaimed God's word and spoke, thus says the Lord. And we don't have anyone to that level to this day. But don't we have people that proclaim the truth boldly, black and white from the scripture? So in that sense, uh, a prophet, prophetic type person would be someone that's kind of a black and white thinker that tells it like it is. Do you have anybody in your life like that? <laughs> um, don't look at the person next to you. And... Um, Evangelists. I know, I know me some evangelists, right? Evangelist is uh, someone that loves sharing the gospel. But the idea with each of these gifts, as we'll see in verse 12, their goal is to equip the body. So if I'm an evangelist, I'm not just sharing Christ. I'm teaching you how to share Christ. That's the role. If I have this gift of starting ministries, um, like the apostles did, you know, apostolic type work, my goal is to equip you to do great things. So if I'm a missionary, for example, um, I need to help the, the natives um, establish local churches. That would be the kind of example of like that. Um, so prophets, evangelists. Now pastors and teachers is one, it's kind of one hyphenated in the Greek, but in other places this gift mix is separated. And I'll tell you why. One of the possible reasons. Have you ever seen teachers that are really effective but they're not really good pastors? Most of you are shaking your hands. So here's a catch. All pastors should be good teachers, but not all teachers are good pastors. I'll say that again. All pastors should be good teachers. That's part of the qualification of an elder, by the way. But not all teachers are good pastors. Because the role of a pastor is to shepherd and care and nurture and protect the flock. Not all teachers have that heart. And I have, a, I have a really good friend that he's like, Timothy, I love preaching, I love teaching, but don't ask me to pastor church because I don't really enjoy it. I love just giving the message. And so that would be someone that's gifted with, as a teacher. And the role of a pastor is more than teaching. It's shepherding. It, it's nurturing the flock. I, one of my new sayings that I've been thinking of recently is, you know, the church pays me to shepherd, but I preach for free. I mean, the administrative stuff, that's what I get paid for, but I preach for free because I love it. So, uh, so you, you, Tom, you're not paying me for preaching, right? <laughs> so the, the idea of a, a pastor is, you know, they shepherd and they care and they nurture. And that's, that's the hard work, you know, showing up at hospitals and being there and family drama. And I mean, you're right in the middle of all that. Uh, the teaching's the fun part. Um, the, the day-to-day is, can be the hard part. So let's continue on in verse number 12. And here's the reason for this all. Why, why does God send gifted leaders to the church? Well, verse 12 says it all. We are anointed and appointed. We have a special ministry in the body of Christ. Look at verse 12. It says, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Notice that ministry is classified as work. <laughs> Did you notice that? That's why a lot of people don't want to do it because it's work, right? It's, it's hard. For the edifying, that's, that's a builder's term. It means to build up the body of Christ. So here, here's the reason why, if you, you guys want to hear why most churches struggle, is because you have a select few doing all the work, and it becomes a sports where you guys ever seen an NFL game where you've got these 20, 30 athletes on the field in much need of rest, 
And then you've got 80,000 in the stands and much need of exercise rooting on those who are, are doing it. Unfortunately, church can become a spectator's church, sport. And we say stuff, well, pastor, we pay you for that. Well, if you look at the text, the pastor's job is to do what? Equip the saints. So the pastor's primary ministry, not to say that he or she doesn't do other things, but the primary role is to be an equipper of the believers. So the believers are empowered. Because think about it, one person can only do so much. I mean, I, you could get me on the phone and I make a call 10, 20 people in one day. But if I equip other people to reach out and to show the love, I can only be in one place at one time, right? So if there's three people in the hospitals all at the same time, what are we going to do? So the idea is all believers have a special place in the body. And all of you are anointed and appointed for a certain work, certain role. And as you do your part, the body of Christ is built up. Let me give you a closing story. Um, this comes from several years back. It's in Chicago, Kent College of Law. One of the top graduates of the class was a man named Overton. And as he received his graduate degree from this law institute, he was so excited. And he said, you know what? I have to share part of my degree with my friend. See, Overton was a blind man. And his friend, it's hard to pronounce his name, Casper Zach. I'll just call him Mr. K. Um, he was a man that had no arms. And what is interesting, the two of these people developed a friendship in the school of law where Overton couldn't see, so obviously he couldn't read the books, but Mr. K had no arms, so he couldn't carry the books. So Mr. K would help Mr. Overton walk downstairs because he could see. And then Mr. Overton would carry his books and help him with the physical aspects of what he couldn't do. And in the library, they would study together, and uh, Mr. K would read out the books, the law books, word for word to Mr. Overton. And together, they decided, you know what, we're going to start a law firm together. We're going to practice together. I'll be your eyes, and you be my hands. And isn't the body of Christ like that? You may be the eyes that I need. You may be the heartbeat. Some of you may be the energy. I mean, Diana Smith and others have so much energy. It's like, give me some of that. Um, you may be the compassionate person. You may be the person that just cries with, with every little thing someone shares. I may need that. So together, when we come together, it forms a beautiful body. And you know what? It's good we're all gifted differently. If we had the same gift, could you imagine how weird that would be? I mean, in my case, everybody would be fighting for the stage. Let's share, let's speak. Or, you know, depending on what the gift. So the thing is, is as we work together, the body of Christ is built up. Are you or I, are we a still sitting saint? Are we willing to take our place on the stage of grace and to change the trajectory of someone's human history? If we're willing to do so, we've got to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to use my gift. I'm going to be that spiritual bodybuilder. And whatever it is, whatever weight I have to pick up, I'm willing to do my part. And as I do my part, the body grows. Amen. Let's look at your take-home truth. I am a bodybuilder of the body of Christ. As I do my part, the body grows. Listen to this next part. But when I slack, the body fills the lack. Therefore, I'll do my part and watch with expectancy 
what the Lord will do in and through my life and through this church. So your, your take-home action is really simple. You have a connection card in front of you. And if you want to get plugged in serving, just write it on there. Put in the offering at the end to say, hey, I'm willing to serve whatever. And, you know, we may not have the ministry available, but as we grow, we're going to start new ministries. And we always have new spots for people willing to say, you know what, I'm going to use my part, however small or however big that is, so the body can be built up. A little preview for next week. We're going to start a new Easter series for the month of April. And anybody got the mailer at your house yet? A few of you did. Okay, if you didn't, it's coming. But we're starting a new series called Empty to Full. And the kind of theme is the tomb was empty so your heart could be full. So next week we're going to talk about an empty place at the table. Remember when Lazarus had died and they're like, where's Lazarus? He's dead. And Jesus filled that place again. He rose Lazarus from the dead. And then we're going to read about a woman that had this alabaster jar and poured it on Jesus and it was an empty jar, but her heart was full of praise. And then on Easter, we're going to talk about an empty tomb and how the tomb was empty so that your heart could be full of life, of love, of laughter, of purpose. The tomb was empty, my friend, so that your heart could be full. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all you're doing. And Father, I thank you that uh, we're the body of Christ. And Father, as we do our part, the body grows. So, Father, I pray this practical message, we would just take it to heart and say, what am I doing? Am I spiritually lethargic? Am I a still-sitting saint? Or am I standing and ready and waiting and watching for your return? Am I preparing the body for good works of service? So, Father, if there be one today that doesn't know you, just right where they're at. And I'm speaking to you if you've never accepted Jesus the Bible says if you will simply believe the good news that Jesus died for you, that he rose again, the Bible says that you could have new life. He will make you into a new person. So right where you're sit, sitting at, just say a prayer of faith in your own words, something like, God, I give my life to you. I believe that Jesus died, he rose again, and I want to take my place in his grace. And Jesus, I ask and pray that you would forgive me, that you would step out of heaven into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. And Father, for the rest of us who are Christians, help us to do whatever part you've assigned to us so that the body may grow and experience your blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This time we're going to do our hymn of invitation a little differently. We have a video, and Adam and I will be at the front. If you have any decision you'd like to make, uh, you're welcome to do so. The rest of you can just enjoy this video.